Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Last week, kind of talked about reclaiming our identity as the church and really wanting to be what the church was intended to be that we don't go to church, that we are the church. And I I basically told everyone I accept the word church, even though it's a transliteration of a Latin word. Okay, I went through that last time. But really this week we're going to talk about finding our voice. And so this morning I'm going to talk to you about guitar players, sales calls, insufficient information, and surprise parties. Do you know what you call a guitar player who breaks up with his girlfriend? Homeless. Uh. (laughs) Do you know how to shut a guitar player up? Put sheet music in front of him. That's a musician (laughs) joke there. Do you know how many guitar players it takes to screw in a light bulb? 20. One to do it and 19 to sit back and say, I could do that. You see, a lot of times we we see something and we think, oh, I could do that. I I, I can follow along with that. But really, it's the person who does the things that we remember, not the people who think they can do that and never do anything. And turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, we're going to be looking at Elijah and Elijah. They're not related. And you can tell which one was first because they were in alphabetical order. Elijah came first and then comes Elijah. And we're seeing the transition from this one prophet, Elijah, to the other prophet, Elijah. And starting in verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 2, it says, Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elijah were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elijah, Please stay here. For the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elijah said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came to Elijah and said to him, 
do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from you? And he said, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. I love that kind of little attitude with this prophet, right? Elijah said to him, Elijah, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elijah and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophet also went and stood at some distance from them. And as both were standing by the Jordan, then Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could walk over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elijah, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elijah said to him, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. What I love about this is this question is the question you get when you refuse to stay behind. You see, he never would have heard this question if he would have stayed at Bethel or stayed at the Jordan or stayed at Jericho. This question comes when you decide not to stay back, when you decide to move forward into a deeper understanding and relationship with what God was doing. Because moving with Elijah was saying, I want to Do the things that you did. Remember, this is really a discipleship where he is following his rabbi, so to speak, this prophet. I'm wanting to take up and do what you're doing. You only get asked the question if you go the distance. And so we see him being asked this question. Do you ever wonder where God is going and what he is doing in you? in our community or in our city. You see, I don't think God's final destination is Magnolia Elementary School and that this is what God is meaning for us to do is to gather on Sundays and to meet here. I think God is wanting to go further. I think God is wanting to do more. But are we gonna go further so that we can hear the question that God would ask us, what do we want God to do? And I think there's something powerful that he's wanting to do, but a lot of people are never there when God is asking that question. And to get that question, you have to go the distance. You have to step into something deeper. If you want to know what God wants to do, it's going to take more than coming on a Sunday morning and me telling you what God wants you to do. That's got to come from God. In fact, I love how he says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, I want double what you have. I wonder what his face looked like when he said that. Like, whoa, okay. It's like, I want to do more than you have done because I've already seen what God can do through you, but I want God to do that 
and to do more. And he steps into this even further. And I think that's something that we want to do. We, we, we want to see this go a little bit further. Have you ever undersold something, you salesmen out there? See, I've been in sales for a while. I used to work at a music company where I'd sell instruments and things like that. Then I worked at a lumber company where I would sell hardwood lumber. And every now and then I'd go to this client and it's like, okay, I'm trying to sell them, you know, a unit of lumber. And I'm thinking, okay, I think I can get this much from it. And our salary is based on the profit, right? If we make a good profit on this lumber, then you get from that profit. And so the more you make profit, the more you get. It's kind of the incentive. And you go there and you say, okay, yeah, well, this sounds like a good price. And you throw a number at them. And they go, oh, is that all? Sure, I'll take that. And you think, oh, I could have gotten more, right? You think, oh, man, I, I, I asked for too little. I, and it's one of those frustrating things. I used to do that even with the dog training. Now my prices are set so I don't freak out. It's like, okay, no, this is what I, I do. But you always wonder, why? Well, I could have asked for more, but I, I didn't. And so I'm left with whatever I asked for. You see... Elijah didn't settle. He said, I want double. I want what you have, and I want more than you have. And what's going on here is he didn't want what Elijah had. He already knew that that was what God could do. And Elijah says to him, you have asked in verse 10 a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. See, what Elijah was asking was more than what Elijah could give. He was actually asking something that only God could give him. Are we seeking what people can give us? And that's our limitation. They are the bar that we set. Oh, I I want a life like this person. And it's really God wanting you to get more. But you're settling for what? you see in someone else. Seeing something that's less. In verse 11, as they went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. I want you to remember that line. And he saw him no more. My father, my father is showing respect to Elijah because he was his mentor. The chariots of Israel and its horsemen is really speaking of power. Chariots were a symbol of power, that of the horse. And so this is God doing something powerful and it's connected to someone who he respects. It goes on as Elijah leaves And he comes back and he picks up Elijah's cloak and he strikes the water and he comes across on dry ground. In verse 15, it says, the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them and said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elijah. They saw something and they almost had it right. You see, it wasn't the spirit of Elijah that rested on him. It was the spirit of God. But what they could identify is what God had done in Elijah, God was now going to be doing in Elijah. And the storyteller here 
goes on to show that Elijah does twice as many things as Elijah does. See, he didn't settle. He pushed on and he didn't want just what he knew could already be done. He wanted actually to see more done. Turn with me now to 2 Kings chapter 13. Starting at verse 14. We're seeing Joash, king of Israel, who's in a situation where they are battling. And in verse 14, we see now when Elijah, the one who he had just read and who'd gotten twice as much read about, had fallen sick with an illness which he was to die, Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying. Listen to what he says. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. The same words that Elijah used years ago. Here is the king of Joash saying the same thing, but it's a totally different context. You see, he's making a connection here where the king is very much unlike Elijah, where Elijah was a man used by God, an example of what God was going to do. And Elijah took that mantle and went forward. Here is the king looking at what he saw God had did and was crying because now what God represented was now ending. You see, one place was the birthplace of where the work of God would be furthered. The other was the funeral of where the work of God was ending. One saw this as the opportunity to move things forward, and the other saw that this is where things are ending. One was crying because saw the power of God and now was going to take that mantle further. The other saw the power of God now ending. And so Joash is now tormented because the prophet, the one who represented the presence of God, the one who who would spoke and God would do, the one who would tell and give wisdom and counsel from God, that one was now dying and he needed him. See, he was looking to this man, not to the God who used the man. And verse 15, Elijah said to him, take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Draw the bow, and he drew it. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands, and he said, Open the window eastward, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot, and he shot. And he said, The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. So they were inside, and you get this picture. He picks up the bow, probably the king's weapon. He opens the window, shoots it towards the east where the threat was, where the enemy was, where the king's heart was in fear over. And he tells him, you're going to have victory there. So he's giving these last words of encouragement to the king, and he's telling him, shoot the aerial, because that's the aerial where the victory is going to be won. For you shall fight the Syrians in Aphek until you have made an end of them. Verse 18, he says to them, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him. 
and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. So Elijah died and they buried him. What? Don't you ever feel like, God, if you would have told me to strike five or six times, I would have struck five or six times. Don't you hate it when you get insufficient information? I used to work at a bakery. It was one of my first jobs that were over the table, right? And my job was to wash the pans. I would come into the bakery after school and clean up all the mess that had been sold and baked the day before. And so there'd be stacks of pans and cookie sheets, and I'd get all the crust off of them. The place smelled great, by the way. And so that was my job. And one day, the owner got a new pan washer. It was made specially for the cookie sheets, where you could put like 20 of them, and it would wash them real quick. It was going to replace me. I didn't realize that at the time. But he would kind of put these things in there, and it was help so that I would, wouldn't work as much because that $1.70 hour was really a lot back then, right? And so that was my job. And so all of a sudden, I get this little note. We've got this new washer. I want you to put the pans in, put the soap in, and then wash the dishes. And so I thought, okay, this is kind of fun technology. You know, I'm in there, and I'm putting all these pans in, and I read the note, and I put the soap in, and then I press the button. And all of a sudden... Soap starts overflowing the machine. It's like an I Love Lucy episode with the chocolate and the conveyor belt. I mean, soap is, I'm like in the back room up to here in soap suds. I'm not kidding you. I'm opening the back door and I'm just shoveling, you know, all these soap out into the alleyway. And I'm like going, what's going on? I don't know. So I have to call and wake the owner up because he got up at like three in the morning to come down and do all the baking. And so when I'm there at like three in the afternoon, he's had a few things to drink and has gone to bed, right? And so I wake him up and tell him what's going on. And he's like, hold on a second. He has to kind of compose himself. You see, what he forgot to tell me is the soap that I had been using was highly concentrated soap. And there was a new soap that I was supposed to use with this washer. They never told me that. So I took the highly concentrated soap, put the bucket in like the instructions said. It was just the wrong soap. And so I put like 20 times as much soap that was supposed to be in the machine. And I had a whole room full of soap. It was the coolest thing. I wish I had a cell phone camera back then. It would have gone viral. I didn't have all the information. I I, I thought it was the right soap. I just put the bucket of soap, but it was the wrong soap. See, if the king would have known, but isn't that how life is? We seldom know really what's going to take place. We just know how things are starting. And you see, what was happening here is instead of giving all that he could, he gave what he felt was enough. You see, some people live what they think God wants them to live, and that's enough. And we give God what he thinks he wants, but we don't give him all that we have. And I wonder what... Elijah's intonation when he says, strike the arrows on the ground. And the king is like, I don't know. And he just does it one, two, three. And he didn't realize he's saying, if you do not give 
all that you have, you will never get the victory you want. And I wonder if that's the message for us today. We want God to work in our life, but we only want to give him what we feel's enough. And we're afraid to give him all that we have because we need something left over. If I strike all these arrows and they're all just broken, what will I use later on? And God is really calling him to give what he has. And I believe that that's what God is wanting to do. That he's wanting to give us a life, but it's going to cost us a life. Turn with me to Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, there is a a story we have of Jesus. And as he drew near to Jericho, this is Jesus in verse 35, Luke 18, 35. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. How important is this to you? Will you be silenced when they tell you, hey, that's enough? And he said, no, this is my chance. And he cried out all the more. Verse 40, Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, does that strike you as a silly question? Like, I don't know if you can see Hint, hint, but I can't. I'm blind. But Jesus does this often. He'll ask someone, would you be made whole? Well, of course I'd be made. You see, but he's asking him what he wants. I guess there were a lot of things he could have asked for. He probably could use a meal probably could have used a new pair of shoes, new outfit. There's a lot of things he could have asked for that might have seemed reasonable to ask for someone. See, he was begging. He was probably asking for money. He could have just said, I, I, can, I, can you give me five bucks or denarii, whatever it is? Can you give me something that will help me through this day? But we see that he says in verse 41, Lord, Let me recover my sight. In other words, I want you to do something impossible. I want you to do something that can't be done. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when he saw it, gave praise to God. See, he wasn't expecting this. It was more than what he thought could be done, but he asked for more. Yesterday, we had a surprise party for Lloyd. Some of you were there. Lloyd got a new position, a new job, and so it was kind of like a congratulation party. It's funny because for a while, I just thought, oh, it's a surprise party. It must be a birthday party, and I actually had a card. I said, happy birthday, Lloyd. I'll save that for you for your birthday. Because then I got, oh, it's not a birthday party. It's another party. Pay attention, Sam. 
But it was so much fun when Lloyd came back, because you know how it is. You send him on a distraction, put him out. He's taking photos of his niece and stuffing for something she was doing. And they kept him busy for hours so that he wouldn't come back on time. And then finally he comes back, and then he's like, what's going on here? There's this surprise. I was not expecting this. And he was touched emotionally, and of course that moves us emotionally. And see, I, I think God is wanting us to be surprised with what he is going to do if we would just ask for more than what is possible. If we would expect something that only God can do. I, I want to have double of what you want. I, I, I want to smash the arrows until there is nothing left. I'm going to give all that I have in trusting you for what you can do because it is more than I could ever do. It's more than Elijah could do. It's something only God could provide I want you to give me sight. But oftentimes what we are is blind men asking for a new pair of shoes when God is wanting to give us sight. And we're wanting so much less than what God has for us because we're not stepping into the life that God wants us to live. No, this is enough. This is enough of God for me. Sundays is good. In fact, it's a lot for me. This is my day to sleep in. I will give you my Sundays, God. In fact, you should be happy. I gave you Sundays. <laughs> and we're asking for so much less. See, Jesus said in John fourteen twelve, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these we will do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus said, if you would say to this mountain, come up and be removed, it would be done so. I don't think God wants to move mountains. I think he wants to change the landscape of this world and he wants to use you and I to do it. And that's what he's calling us to. And we ask for so much less than what God is wanting to do. Oh God, I want a raise. Oh God, I want a girlfriend. Oh God, I want this, I want this. And he's saying, don't you know that I want you to change the world and you're asking for a job? You want to get the job at Starbucks or the job at whatever? Don't you know what I want to do? But we're asking for a little. We're tapping the arrows. One, two. And we live in between that third strike and the sixth strike because we're not willing to give all that we have to get that what God has to give us. And we're settling for so much less. I don't want us to settle. I want us to be the blind man who cries out for something that's impossible. I want us to be a community that does the impossible. You see, this is a place where we embolden one another to change the world by representing Jesus. This is a place where we go and help out the orphans and build a home for them. This is a place where we go to Haiti and give them a latrine or build them a cafeteria that is used to keep them from shelter so they can sit with dignity and eat so that they can go and stay and find shelter when there's a hurricane. That we, This is the place where we build a goat and garden program so that they can have food for years to come. This is a place where we do the work of God that can be seen 
throughout the world. This is a place where seven people so far this year have been baptized, making themselves identified with Jesus. But I don't want seven people a year. I want seven people a month to get baptized, to identify with Jesus, to give their life to Christ. I'm not satisfied. I don't want my voice to end here. I want our voice to go beyond these walls and to shake the mountains and to move the landscape of the world because we believe in a God who does the impossible and we believe he wants to use us. But what are you asking for? What is your voice saying? What are you crying out for? Because God wants to use the last arrow that you have. He did. You see, Jesus was his last arrow. He gave all that he had. As an example for us to give all that we have. Jesus said, greater things you will do. I want to do the greater things. To do the greater things, it's going to cost more from me. It's going to require a greater work in my life. And we have to recognize that it's only matched to what you're giving. If you're not satisfied with where you are in your life with God, you're the one who needs to step it up, not God. You're the one who has to step in deeper. So the question is, like it was to the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? The question is like what Elijah said to Elijah, what would you want me to do for you? And Elijah could have said, this is good. I'm happy just to be here. He wanted more. The blind man wanted what was impossible. What do you want God to do for you? Think about it. Because it's going to require you following him to get that question and to get that answer. Let's pray. Lord, so many times I have settled for so much less that I have lived a life based on what my goals are instead of what your goals for your church are. I think often, Lord, we live individual lives that can only fulfill us in small ways, not recognizing that it's going to take all of us to accomplish the powerful work you've intended for your church. And so, Lord, I pray that we would each find our voice to cry out to you and not be silenced. God, we want double the portion. God, we want our eyesight restored. God, we want the city of Upland and the Inland Empire to see and know who you are. God, we want to see commitments to you. And for that to take place, there has to be a commitment from us. And so at this place, Lord, we want to stand and cry out to you like the blind man. At this place, we want to to be like Elijah who looks and steps in further, that crosses that Jordan, that goes past Bethel, past Jericho, that follows you 
to the cross and understands that for miraculous things to take place, there must be sacrifice. So God, we want to be that sacrifice to you. Holy, acceptable, pleasing to you. And I believe this morning that God is challenging us to to go further with him. I believe that God is putting on our hearts that there is maybe a place that we've decided to live comfortable. We, We belong to him. We know him. We love him. But we're settling for less. And if you are in a place where you know that God's voice is drawing you further and you want to answer that call, you you want to cross that Jordan and go to the place where he can ask you the question, what do you want from me? I want you to stand up with me right now this morning. I want you to make a declaration. God, I want the more. I don't want to be settling for less. I don't want to be comfortable in a relationship with you that leaves something on the table that I could have had. I want to recognize the sacrifice it takes for me to live the full life. And God, you see us who are standing here before you, your children, making that declaration that, Lord, what we want is to do the greater works that you have entrusted to us. God, what we want is to step further into what you want for us. God, what we want to do is ask for mountains to be moved and change the landscape of our cities. God, what we want is all that you have for us. God, open our eyes. We will not be satisfied with a new pair of shoes. We want to see all that you have for us. Accomplish this in our hearts and in our lives, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you all stand together with me? May you understand that to do the work, you have to go the distance And be there when God asks the question. When you want to have your eyes opened, you have to cry out even louder. May God give you the faith that asks for mountains to be moved. And may you be the people who change the landscape of our cities. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy each other's company. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.